Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, Managing Editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press, calling in from Burlington, Vermont this week. You can hear our show every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Today's topic is Independent Publishers in Today's World, and our special guest who will be joining us this hour is Bob Gusson of Ocean View Publishing. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Now, starting next week, our podcast will be heard on a new radio station, authorsview.com. Please check our website for updates. Those of you who are in the Vermont area can meet me uh, Saturday at the Capitol Plaza Hotel in Montpelier for the Vermont Veterans Combat Stress Symposium. More information at vermontveterans.com. Now, tonight we'll speak with author and publisher Dr. Robert Gusson of Ocean View Publishing. As a member of the vanguard of independent presses, Bob will address the challenges of being an independent publisher. Advice for new publishers, including some of the most commonly made mistakes, the reality of competing with the big publishers, and how to leverage the use of media. A native of Pittsburgh, Robert Gusson retired from Johnson & Johnson as corporate vice president of science and technology. He received a Ph.D. in pharmacology from the University of Michigan and holds an honorary Doctor of Science degree from Duquesne University. Gusson has authored a number of scientific publications and has contributed several chapters to academic textbooks. He serves on a number of commercial and nonprofit boards and advisory committees, including the NASA Aerospace Medicine and Occupational Health Advisory Committee, Duquesne University Board of Directors, as well as the Board of Directors of Catholic Health Services of Long Island. Gusson is a sought-after speaker and presents at a variety of conferences, symposia, and association meetings. He also volunteers with the East End Hospice in New York and the Senior Friendship Center Clinic in Sarasota, Florida. For more information about Robert Gusson and his novel, new novel, Trash Talk, please visit www.bobgusson.com. And now we're going to go to this week's special guest. Uh, good evening to you, Bob. Good evening, Victor. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, too. Thank you, Irene. And so what, as an independent publisher, do you have to say to us? Well, uh, some people have said we were crazy for going into the business. Others said we would never make any money. Maybe our naivety and a lack of experience in this business allowed us to take some chances that have led to a very exciting new career for, for myself, my wife, and, and a, another partner that owned Ocean View Publishing. We all three came out of medical research, and the publishing business is very new to us, but we're having some great successes, and I'll be happy to talk about them. Great. So as an author, what do I need to know about an independent publisher? Well, as an author, uh, the independent publishers, at least I, I can speak from my, my own company and, and, and our thoughts, is that we know that we can only take on a limited number of authors. But those that we take on, we are dedicated to support. And our support will go beyond perhaps what a big publisher would provide to a mid-list or a new author, even if they were willing to publish them. Uh, I believe that the big publishing companies put a fair amount of, of money and effort out in the first couple of months. And if, if your book happens to take off, then you'll get a lot of support. But if it doesn't, you're sort of to use a, a sports-type term, you're put on the bench. And uh, we hear a lot of authors saying that 
even though they publish with the big publishers, they're not getting any support from them. And we as a, an independent publisher, and I think most independent publishers, uh, see a niche in trying to support their authors over a longer period of time. And to the authors, it's still a tough business. I mean, we're getting, we've only been out to the public for about a year, and we're up to about uh, 35 to 40 submissions a week. So it's very tough to get published. And to any new author or any author, I'd say he, you've got to stay in there. You have to keep on battling. If you can get an agent, that's probably one of the most important things you can do. Uh, you have to be willing to take a lot of rejection. Even the best authors have oftentimes been through 30 and 40 and 50 rejections before they got published. So you, you have to have thick skin and you have to hang in there. But if you're talented and you love it, I think it's well worth it. So what really, Bob, is the difference between an independent publisher and what you're talking about, the big publishers? Well, there are many differences. Uh, first of all, the big publishers with consolidations that have gone on over the last several years have gotten so big that their financial dollar requirement in returns has gotten so high for any book that they put out that their tendency is to go back to the tried and true authors all the time. These are people like John Grisham, Janet Ivanovich, who who've published and sold very well, and the big publishing companies know that that's their best shot at having a financial success. So if you look at the, the bestseller list, what you see are the same few authors week after week, month after month, year after year, and a lot of their books are good and they're talented, but you know, when they're putting out one or two or three books a year, we're beginning to see good authors that write very poor stuff. This, the, the independent publishers obviously don't have, they're not as big, they don't have as high a financial requirement for return, and so they can look for more, more to the talented, perhaps untested authors to give them an opportunity. Uh, it's partly that. It's partly also that the, the, the independent smaller publishers certainly don't often get a chance to publish a, a, a Grisham or, or an Ivanovich or a Robert Parker or someone like that. So we've got to look for, for new talent. And the greatest thing is there are an incredible number of talented authors out there, both mid-list authors and new authors, who write great things and deserve to be published. Obviously, we can't publish them all. I don't think all of the independent publishers put together can, but at least we can give some new works, uh, some new authors, and some mid-list type authors a chance. So uh, you just mentioned, Bob, a great thing. An author has a great thing. What in your mind as an independent publisher is the great thing? Well, that's the guess. That's what one of the toughest challenges is for for any publisher. Uh, with the big publishers, maybe a little less because, they, as I say, they keep going back to people who've already broken through and gotten to the top. For the rest of us, we have to do everything we can to, to, to try to pick out what we would consider a good work, uh, writing that's done well, a story that's exciting and keeps your interest all the way through, uh, and then we have to make a guess as to whether our feelings about that story and the way it's written are going to carry over to the public in general. So that's, that's the first major challenge. And when you get right down to it, 
picking a winning book, I mean a financially winning book, a, a big sales winner, is, is really a guess. It comes down to that. We use as best the screening process as we can and get as many people as practically possible involved. We have a few people that screen the initial submission. We have an editorial group that we call our trusted readers that we get to read the manuscripts and make it through the initial screen. Uh, we end up with, with two of us reading them after we get all the comments back uh, and finally making a decision. So we try to do the best we can out of a large number of submissions to pick what we can judge to be the best that we see. But whether it'll be successful or not comes down to a guess of trying to guess what the public is going to like and what the public is going to spend their money to buy. And once you've decided that and once you put your book out, then we, the independents, face a lot of other challenges in being able to get the book to the public with enough noise and enough attention that people will know it's there and, and have the opportunity to buy it. And some of those are, are issues that the big publishers don't have to face. They obviously have big distribution. They can advertise fairly broadly, and they have the money to do that. Uh, the independent publishers have to watch how they go about bringing a book out. But, but the, the biggest challenge, in my opinion, as a fairly new publisher, uh, but learning a lot in a hurry, is that, that, that trick of getting your book to the public with a lot of publicity and a lot of noise. And you have to do it on the budget that you can afford. Exactly. And uh, m many times the authors themselves don't realize that they are the ones that have to be responsible for a lot of that themselves. We, we talk to, we, we, we really do function as a team, and the author is an important part of it. The author takes part in our discussions about the, the cover design, the, the, the jacket content. We go back and forth with, editorial, with editing. Uh, so the, the author is very much involved, but we tell them all, here's what we're going to do. We'll set up signings for you. We'll run as many ads as we can. We'll, we'll put you in for various awards. We'll do all those things, but you're going to have to get out there, and anything you want to do above and beyond what we can afford to do or what we can do, you go ahead and do it. I mean, if you want to advertise on your own, you want to set up signings on your own, we need all that. If an author is not going to do that, it's going to be very tough for, for us to, to sell. Sure. Um, I can understand that. And, Bob, earlier you had uh, mentioned the steps that, and you get so many manuscripts every week. So, okay, you get 35 manuscripts this week. How do you choose the one or the two or the three that you're actually going to pursue a little further than putting it into a pile, but actually somebody's going to read it or look at the proposal? How is that decision made? Okay, first of all, we don't, we don't accept 35 manuscripts a week. We have a, uh, on our website, which is oceanviewpub.com, oceanviewpub1word.com, we have a section that is submission guidelines. What we ask for is that the first 30 pages of your novel and a 750-word or less synopsis submitted to us electronically. Three of us will screen those, and we will pick the ones that we sort of agree on are worth asking for a full manuscript. Once we ask for a full manuscript, my wife, who is our, our chief editor, reads the manuscript, and I read the manuscript. If we like it, uh, we can do one of two things. Some of them, we're, we're just so enthralled by them that we decide we're going to accept this one. We're going to go ahead if we can 
If we can agree on a contract with this writer, we want to go ahead with it. If we're not quite at that level, and oftentimes, most of the time, we're, we're not, or we don't want to be that, that definitive about it, we have 15 editorial board members that we call our trusted readers. And we will pick five of those sort of randomly, and they come from all walks of life, and we'll send a full manuscript to each one of them with a questionnaire. And the questionnaire, much of it is geared to the story itself. Uh, it asks questions about the characters, whether they're deep enough, whether the action is continuous, et cetera. But the last two questions on every questionnaire are, would you buy this book, and would you recommend it to a friend? So that's the same question that goes on every questionnaire at the end. Depending on what those five send back, if, if four of them say we loved it or we liked it and we think it's worth it, that's fine. If it's a three-two, maybe we'll, you know, we look at the comments. And then my wife is our chief editor, and she makes the final decision on accepting the books. But we'll discuss it a lot. And our president, who's Sue Greger, who has her office in Ipswich, Massachusetts, uh, we'll take a look at them. And between the three of us, we'll make a final decision on it. Generally, though, it comes down to, you know, we put the final responsibility on our artistic editor uh, responsible for the, for the book selection, and that happens to be my wife, Pat. And uh, so that's how we make the decisions. And I take it we're making some good ones because we got some very good news today, and it just shows you that, that a, a new independent publisher can succeed with big competition because today the state of Florida announced their first annual Florida Book Awards. These are books written by Florida authors. And the gold medal winner is Jim Bourne, who is published by Pitnam. The silver medal winner is Ward Larson for The Perfect Assassin, published by us. And the bronze medal winners are Randy Wayne White, published by Putnam, and Brad Meltzer, published by Warner. So we're in very good company. So I think it shows we are picking books reasonably well if in our first year out of five books we can get into a group that come from the big publishers like that. So I think it's quite encouraging for us and for all independent, smaller publishers that you can pick good talent, but you need some luck also. Yeah, that's uh, congratulations on that. That's a great company to be sandwiched in between. <laughs> we are thrilled. We couldn't believe it. Uh, when we saw the, we, we were notified that, that uh, Ward Larson got, was going to be the silver medalist. We didn't know until today who the uh, gold medalists and who the bronze medalists were, and we saw the names. We were just fascinated. I mean, these are all big names with big publishers, and uh, it's just, it's great. It was, it, we're, we're thrilled. I, I can't say enough of how much that makes us believe that we do have a system that can work and has worked right in this situation. And in essence, all five of our books are doing pretty well. And we have seven books coming out this year, 2007. We've already booked four for 2008, and we're, we're, we're working on three more. So we're Yeah, there's always a very long pipeline, and it's good to keep it full with quality titles. Very good. Yeah, let's, we, let's walk the process forward step by step. Okay. Uh, after you've accepted the manuscript, what kind of editorial action do you go through between you and the author, and, and how does that work? Okay, the first thing that happens is both Pat and I reread the book. We read the manuscript again. And Pat is our, as I say, she's our, our chief inside editor, and she will edit the book. Now, there are occasions we've had where we feel the editing, we love the story, the writing is okay, but our biggest problem usually is, is that there's too much in it. A lot of authors like to go off on little lecturettes, and 
we get a good story with too much other stuff packed in. Exactly. And, and the editing piece of it is so big that what we end up doing is we've, we've found two editors, outside professional editors, that we really like. And we'll send the manuscript to one of them to edit. And so they'll edit it. Pat will also edit it. They'll put their, Pat will then assemble all of their comments together and their edit, send it back to the author. The author gets a chance to say, I agree with this, I don't agree with that. In the end, he and Pat will work out what the final edition looks like. And it can go back and forth three or four times. Once, while we're doing that, getting it finalized, we'll get the author, the two of us, Pat and myself, on the phone with Sue Gregor, our president, with Mary Glenn McCombs, our publicist, with George Foster, our jacket designer out in Iowa, with a woman in, in Wisconsin who does our, our jacket content writing, and with our, our sale, we have a salesperson and a marketing person. We all get on the phone in the conference call, and we ask the author to start to talk about the book from their perspective. What are the most important points, et cetera, et cetera. And from that, George Foster will come up with a cover, and Susan Kendrick will come up with jacket content, and they'll email it to all of us. Then we all have our shot at putting things in, and it'll go back and forth three or four times, and we'll finally agree on a cover on jacket content. And then the author, myself, and Pat, and Mary Glenn McCombs, our publicist, and our, our, market, our salesperson will get together on another conference call and talk about the publicity campaign and the launch campaign. So we put together a launch plan, a publicity campaign that depends on the author's uh, geographic strengths, uh, area strengths. Ward Larson, for example, who just was given this award, is a, uh, a pilot for a major airline, but he was also a jet fighter pilot during Desert, Desert Storm. We're, selling, we're pushing his book into uh, uh, stores on Army and Air Force bases, on military bases. We're looking at the PXs as special places to market the book because of his background, uh, in addition to all the mainstream things, of course. So, you know, we, we, we do plan a lot, and we try to make sure that we use our resources in the best way possible to get the best coverage of the book. So it's, it's a pretty complex process, and it's m very much a team effort. There have been some books that Pat edits herself and, and interacts with the author back and forth many times. And as I say, there are other books that we have to send out to a, a, another outside editor who, who does that for a living. And we, 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 the publisher, pay for that. And uh, we have had occasion, too, though, where we've gotten a manuscript that we thought had potential, but it had a lot of work, way more than we wanted to handle, and it wasn't ready for publication. And we'd say to the author, you know, we like it, but it needs a lot of editing. If you want to do it, we'll recommend it, uh, an editor to you, but that's at your expense. You can resubmit it. But if we really like the book and we want it, we'll, we'll get the contract, and then we'll pay for the editing. Yeah, it sounds like a great uh, system you have there, and I agree that's a very tough call to make, you know, it's as to whether it, whether it can be fixed in-house or it needs to go back. Uh, it's an agonizing process sometimes. It's a very agonizing process, Victor. <laughs> and, we're, you know, we're finding out there are so many tough calls in every area we're doing. Uh, uh, we're, we're, just, we're thrilled with the success we have. We're going to need a lot more. Uh, I always say to Pat, you know, this this business to me is like a lottery, and every book we put out is like buying another ticket in a lottery. I mean, for for a small independent publisher, we need either a, one of, at least one of the books to be a really big hit, or we need to have several books that are selling 
and we have to have the, the, the resources, money, et cetera, to stay in the business long enough to get a, a fair number of books that are selling at a, a, a pretty good rate in order to become profitable, or else one or two big hits, you know, that, that really do make it out there big time, and that's where the lottery issue comes in. The other possibility, and we do have uh, a Manhattan agency that handles our subsidiary rights. We have Writer's House, and they're, you know, they're trying to sell uh, movie rights, mass marketing, et cetera, uh, paperbacks, and so forth. And we have sold, uh, we've been very fortunate in our first year, uh, for Death Angel by Martha Powers, we sold the book club rights for uh, Doubleday Book Club, Literary Guild, and uh, Mystery Guild, and they'll be putting it out as their alternate monthly alternate in uh, April. <coughs> and we sold the large print uh, rights for that book. Uh, we have somebody looking at the, a movie option on my book, Trash Talk. So we're, you know, that's the other place where I think an independent publisher can can become profitable is through the uh, subsidiary rights. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Uh, we had one guest who who said basically that, you know, the most of the money can be made from the rights. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it, it certainly is tantalizing. Have you looked into foreign rights sales? We're we're working on that. We're, that's our next step. And I've been talking to uh, to some foreign representative uh, representatives for foreign rights. And we have had one book, a book that's coming out in April called Lady Killer, uh, by Lawrence Wright and Meredith Anthony, his wife. Uh, he, he incidentally is the uh, Wall Street editor for Forbes magazine. So you know we're getting some high-powered folks submitting to us. But uh, we have uh, a, a, an international scout for a Dutch publishing company had requested the, the advance reading copies to uh, send to their publisher in Holland, who's interested. So those have been set off. So we're waiting for an answer there. <coughs> We've also had one inquiry from an Italian publisher and one from a New Zealand publisher. So we're getting some inquiries. We don't have a real representative yet. I'm, that's one of my assignments. Well, uh, off the top of my head, I'd, I'd suggest looking into Bob Erdman, who's uh, quite quite a good, good track record on. Bob, how do you spell his name? Uh, E-R-D-M-A-N, I believe. If you Google for him, I think it's like BobErdman.com. Okay. Uh, I'll have to look at it later. Okay, I'll take a look. So it looks like uh, you're going for a specific niche, uh, which is you know, what many people consider essential for success. Did you start out heading for that niche, or how did you get there? Well, that's, that's a very interesting point. What happened, first of all, if you look at the, our mission on our website, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we, our mission says we will publish adult fiction and nonfiction. We won't publish children's books, uh, uh, poetry, short stories, etc. So adult fiction and nonfiction. However, the way we got into this business was because my wife, late in our medical careers, she decided that she wanted to write a novel. And as she began to write it, and it was very much based, it's called Shadow of Death, it's based on her time in medical school in 1967 in Detroit during the riots. And she started to think back to that, and she was traveling as part of her job to China and Japan a lot, had a little bit of time on airplanes, and started to, to write based on that. And she wrote a mystery. And as we got closer to retirement, she started going to writers' meetings, and we went to more after we retired. And she, because she was interested in mystery, she had written one, and then she was working on a second and a third, uh, we went to mystery writers' meetings. So that's who we met, and we became very interested in reading mysteries. We always had been, but 
then we got even more interested because we got to know people like, like Carl Hyacin and Randy White and people like that. So we started reading more and more mysteries. And we met writers at these meetings. So a lot of our first submissions were coming from people we met at, at writers' meetings and primarily mystery meetings. So all of our books, with the exception of mine, the first year, the four of the five were mysteries. And all of the, the seven for this year are mysteries. Mine was the only different one. It was sports humor. And in essence, I started out to write it as a mystery. I didn't want to write fiction. I, I went to a meeting where Carl Hyacin spoke and Randy White spoke and Tim Dorsey, and I got so excited, I came home and said, Pat, I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be like theirs. It's going to have environmental issues, and it's going to be a mystery, and it's going to be funny. And I started that way, and I ended up thinking about the environmental issue be trash, and then I, my sports mind kicked in and said, trash talk, wouldn't it be funny if a bunch of professional athletes came to a meeting called trash talk because they thought it was an environmental meeting, and, I mean, they thought it was the kind of meeting they wanted, a, an insulting each other, trash talking, and it was an environmental meeting. That would create a very funny situation of a few hundred professional athletes getting together with a few hundred environmentalists. So that's what I started, and I couldn't work the mystery into it. So it ended up a sports humor book, which, interestingly, is doing pretty well. But I'm the only non-mystery writer that we have so far. Now, we keep hearing two different schools of thought. We have people saying to us, you're doing the right thing. You're getting to be recognized as a mystery suspense publisher, and that's good. You know the business, and the business is recognizing you. You're going to get a lot of good authors coming to you in that genre. We have other people saying to us, you've got to think more broadly, and particularly if you want to legitimize yourself as a publisher, you have to publish some nonfiction. So we're going back and forth, and we haven't totally decided, but by the nature of our acquaintances and what's happening, we're sort of being pushed into the niche of being a primarily mystery suspense publisher. Yeah, right? that was a, yeah thanks for uh, clearing that up. But, uh, sure. I, I've seen the same sort of thing happen all the time, where you, you start heading down one genre, and all of a sudden nothing else shows up but books from that particular right. area. And it sort of grows, you know, it, it builds on itself, because the more you put out books in that genre and people look at writer authors look at them, potential authors, they say, gee, here's the place for me to go. I've written a mystery or suspense. So we're getting more and more of those. Okay. I'd like to remind people that you're listening to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Today's topic is independent publishers in today's world. And our special guest this hour is Bob Gusson. Those of you, um, <clears throat> I have one more question for you, Bob. Um, if you could share, uh, how do you uh, figure out um, the size of your print run? <laughs> well, part of it's by what we think we can afford to do. And uh, we started out uh, with a very small print run, 3,000. It was new author. My, we took Pat, my wife's book, as the first one. She offered to be the guinea pig. She had a big agent. Uh, she had the same agent that Michael Connolly and Jonathan King have. And he told her, you're going to get published. Don't worry about it. She had about three or four rejections, all for the same reason. Great book, but it doesn't quite fit a genre. It's not quite medical suspense, not quite pure suspense, not quite mystery. And it was the same time we were hearing all kinds of unhappiness from other authors. And so I said to her, you know, when we decided we'd start a publishing company, I said, would you let us publish your book first? We can learn on it. If we make mistakes, at least we're making them in a family, you know. So she said, fine. She said, I'd rather do that and not have a hassle of continuing to look out for a bigger publisher. So we ran hers through first. And uh, 
we she was a new author and we we figured we talked we have a very well established production person that we we contract with it's Susan Hayes Associates she came out of big publishing and she knows a lot about publishing and she's been a real mentor to us and we talked about the print run she said look you know I can turn another print run around in three weeks why don't you put out 3,000 and we'll see how it goes and if they run down we can we can put out a second printing pretty quickly so that's what we did then our next two authors were previously published uh, Don Bruns had not our next two I'm sorry the second one was Ward Larson we put out 3,000 there in the first print then we went to two authors Don Bruns who had two previous novels and Martha Powers, who came to us from Simon & Schuster, it was her 13th novel, so we, pub we printed 5,000 of theirs. And then, now, this time, we've got a couple authors. One of our coming out in May is a guy by the name of Todd Buckholz, and he is a former director of economic policy at the White House and a very well-known economist. And in May, HarperCollins is bringing out his next economics book, and they're going to put a big push behind it. We're coming out in May with his first novel called the, the Castro Gene, an outstanding book. So now we're thinking maybe we had a better up it to 10,000 uh, print run and be ready for another one. And, and with Martha and a few others, we're looking at a second printing already. So we're starting to push our uh, subsidiary rights people to see if we can sell the, the mass paperback rights, and maybe that will ease the pressure on us to go out with another hardback print. Or we're going we're gonna to put Pat's next print out as a... Uh, uh, Shadow of Death will come out as trade paper. So that's the two types of books we're going to put out, at least for now, hardcover and trade paper. We can't do mass merchandise, and every other every other thing like audios, et cetera, we'll have to license. But uh, we're it's a real challenge to figure out how you're going to pick your print run size. You know, the big guys do it by pre-sales, how many pre-orders do you get. But with a new author, you don't get many pre-orders. So it's, it's a little tough. Hello? Looks like we lost Irene for the moment there. <laughs> did, yes. I was going to say. Sorry that. about that. Um, okay. What related to that is is what kind of formula do you guys use to uh, determine the list price in, in your market? And once again, we have a lot of discussions with uh, Mary Glenn McCombs, our, our publicist, who's been in publishing and been a publicist for a long time. Uh, we look at books in bookstores that we think are sort of equivalent, and we talk to Susan Hayes, who, as I say, has been in publishing for a long time, and we talk to our distributor, Midpoint uh, Trade Books. And between us, we, we come up with the, the number, and we're pretty close to what the market is. So what we've done in the past for our new authors, uh, for, for Pat's Shadow of Death and for The Perfect Assassin, we went uh, 22.95 hardcover. For the two established authors, Don Bruns and Martha Powers, we went $24.95. And for me, because my book is a smaller one, it was 190 pages and a smaller book, we went $14.95. It, it's sort of a guess. Uh, but we're, we're competitive in the price range of other hardcover books at about those si the size that these books are. Bob, Independent publishers are someplace in the middle between self-publishers and large publishing firms. And there's always just a lot of controversy as to how the media really accepts independent publishers. In your opinion, does the media accept independent publishers? Well, they accept them. It's tougher, though. It is tougher. I mean, we, we are 
We're dedicated. Uh, I, I tell people usually we're, we're a small independent publisher trying to act like a big publisher. I mean, we do all the things pretty much the way a big publisher would do. We, we pay for everything that the authors get. Uh, you know, we put class. Our books look good. They're high-quality print, etc. cetera. Uh, we're trying to put out the best books possible. So we're acting like a big publisher. And I said that to somebody, and he said, well, if you're going to do that, do, do only the good things the big publishers do. Don't act like them in other ways. And so we're, we're, we're not, we are trying to take some real talented people. We're not, our, price, our price requirements, our, our return requirements obviously aren't as high. So we're trying to use the good things of, of a big publisher and not the bad parts. So we're trying to act like a big publisher, and the media has reacted reasonably well. I've been on TV. Uh, we, 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 get, we get reviews because we are a legitimate author. We, our publisher were accepted by both the International Thrillers uh, Association and the Mystery Writers of America as legitimate publishers. If you publish with us, you can be a member of those groups. Uh, so we are pretty well accepted generally. Uh, of course, you know, when it comes to advertising, I mean, I've talked to the New York Times. There's no way we, at this point, we can afford to, to run ads at $20,000 for one shot on, you know, a partial page on one day. Uh, we're publishing in smaller newspapers, but we're, we're getting radio uh, interviews. Our, our, we're getting reviews. We get several reviews. Our authors are getting uh, uh, put on, on some radio shows and, and getting interviewed. So. I mean, we, we're not getting what the big guys can get, but we are getting a lot, more than I thought we would. And I think if you won't get that if you're a self-publisher. Uh, you won't get that if you're a vanity press that, that charges your authors and everything. But if you're running the way we are as a classical publishing company, even though we're still small, we're getting pretty good coverage. Bob, you mentioned legitimate publishers. I hate to think that because you said that there are actually some independent publishers that are not legitimate? Oh, I, I, legitimate may be a bad word. I, oh, okay. I, I, I meant if you're a vanity publisher and you're charging your authors to publish, if you're a self-publisher, the, the media and the press don't look as kindly, I think, on you as they do. When I say legitimate, I mean only that, you know, we do things like the big publishers. Mm-hmm. We, we pay for the print. We pay for the advertising we do all those things we, we pay uh, advance we pay royalties so I don't I don't mean that that others aren't legitimate sure. I, well, classic classical might be a better word okay. as I like to say the money flows only in one direction towards the <laughs> author <laughs> <laughs> well the money's flowing only in one direction for this publisher too right now but hopefully the tide will change and it will come back <laughs> tide always changes so are bookstores open to independent uh, published books well, we have a we have a big distributor, Midpoint uh, Trade Books in New York, and as I say, we have a publicist, et cetera. And we are in virtually all the chains. Uh, they distri- they distribute to all the chains, big chains. They distribute to Baker and Taylor and Ingram, which are the big wholesalers, and other wholesalers as well. Uh, so we're in all the book places, and we're on Amazon now. What happens sometimes is if you go into a Borders or a, Baker, or, or a Barnes and Noble and ask for the book. They'll go on their computer and say, we don't have it in the store right now, but we can get it for you in two days. It's in our system. Uh, but a lot of the stores, the big chains we go into, they do have them. And we try to have our authors do a lot of signings. I mean, we're, doing, we're looking to get uh, about 30 signings in the first two months. 
and then continue on. So we've had authors like Don Bruns has done 65 or 70 signings. Uh, Pat's done a lot of signings. And that puts your books in the store. And a lot of these signings are Barnes & Noble's, Borders, uh, Walden Books, et cetera, which are part of Borders now, of course, but uh, Books a Million. So we're, we're in the big places. And we're now looking at uh, various ways to get more books in better positions in stores. We're looking at paying to buy front tables and things like that that the big publishers do. And uh, we're getting to a point where we think maybe that's a good way to do it. Because our toughest challenge is getting our books to the public. We can get to this trade. I mean, we've put full-page ads in Publishers Weekly. We've gotten very good responses from the trade. It's getting to the public that's tough. And when I say the trade, I'm talking more about the independents are very good to us. Uh, the, the big chains are, I guess, as good as we can expect at this point. Uh, they're putting the books in our, their stores, and they're letting us sign. Our, our authors are signing in their stores, so uh, it's hard to ask for more right now. But I think our biggest challenge is how do we make the public aware that we have some very good books. Now, I think with somebody like Ward Larson and this this award he just got, this silver medal, that publicity might sort of push that book up into a much higher level of sales because people will re recognize that he's up there with with big name authors and big name publishers. Although. As somebody told me, people don't buy books because Simon & Schuster published it or, or somebody else published it. They buy it because of the author and the authors they know. Of course, those authors get known mainly through the big publishers. Right, Bob. Uh, speaking of uh, chains and distribution, um, do you have enough data in to, to have solid numbers on return rates? Because I hear from a lot of publishers that it can, it can run up as high as 25%. Well, our books haven't been been out that long. You know, our first book came out last March, so it's just a year now, going on a year. Our return rates vary from one book to another. I mean, they're not tremendous. Uh, I, I don't, I can't give a percentage number, but you do get returns. I mean, that's part of the business. That's the other thing that differentiates the acceptance of some publishers from others. There are some independent publishers who don't take returns. And that makes it very tough to sell your book or distribute your book uh, because that's such an important part of the bookstore. So we take returns just like every big publisher and just like, you know, all the so-called classical publishers. So we're getting returns. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the bookstores keep them 90 days when it's coming on to their payment time. If they're not selling, they send them back. So it's a tough business. I mean, you think they're going out and then you see them coming back and, we just hope that the net effect is that more are going to go out and come back. And it, so far, knock on wood, that's been the case. You know, now, I don't think we have an excessive return rate, but it varies book to book. And, and of course, they're coming out at different times, so with time, we'll, we'll know better. You uh, mentioned that uh, you know, if it's a tough world out there, many times writers, before they become authors, go into bookstores and the large chain stores and look at all the books and really get the pie in the sky and. It just that's just really not the way it is. It's a tough world out there, and you know there's very tough. one more question that I have here, and it's always authors want to know in advance what do what's the average that most independent publishers pay as an advance? I honestly don't know. We we actually negotiate our advances. Now we're not into the six figure advances. We're not even into the five figure advances yet. But we negotiate them because the authors are at various levels. Uh, you know, we get some of our authors have come through agents, and the agents are trying to go to negotiate higher, you know, bigger advances for their for their authors. Uh, 
know, as as every other publisher, the authors have to work off their advances before they start getting royalties. So, one way or another, it's not going to make that much difference. We're we're not we're not paying huge royalties that we have to worry so much that uh, we're going to lose the money because it'll never pay back. Uh, but I don't know. I honestly do not know what the average mm-hmm. royalty is, and we don't have a set figure. Oh, okay. So you basically, it's negotiable with each author. and It's negotiable with each author, with what they've done in the past, with who they are, and what we think, uh, you know, how well-known they could be. And as is the case with this Todd Buckholz book, it's his first novel, but it's his seventh book, and his economics books have been very big. And HarperCollins is going to put a lot of effort into selling his new economics book, uh, Ideas from Dead CEOs. <laughs> comes out in May, and we're coming out with the, the Castro gene at the same time, and from the same author, first novel. So, you know, when you see a person like that, former White House economic advisor, big time, you know, you end up negotiating a royalty that might be higher than Joe Blow, who's not known by anybody and has written his first book. So there isn't a set amount. Of course. Gosh, Bob, you know, we could talk on and on and on, but unfortunately we have to bring this to a close. Let's just remind our uh, listening audience of your website, which is Oceanview. Oh, my, Oceanviewpub, one word, dot com. Okay. Now, as an author, are you wanting me to send in my manuscript? Are you open to manuscripts? Are you overwhelmed with them? <laughs> yes and yes. Yes We're and yes? overwhelmed, but we want it. Uh, <laughs> we definitely want manuscripts. Uh, we are overwhelmed. We will be overwhelmed, but we're working our way through them. Uh, we're trying to turn these around in a relatively reasonable time to get back to the authors. Uh, we definitely want manuscripts. We, we're, we're always looking because that, that gem that's going to make us happy and going to make the public happy is, is probably out there somewhere, and you know we, we hope we will get it. And so we're always going to be looking for more and more manuscripts. Uh, but... We, we do have a lot. We have a lot of work, and our, our biggest challenge at the moment is, is growing pains. I mean, we've added, uh, after one year, we added three people to the staff, and we're trying to not, you know, keep our full-time staff down to a minimum. So we, we're bringing on half-time people, and we still contract a lot, but we have a very close relationship with our contractors. So, uh, yes, we want manuscripts. Great. And I think I heard you say earlier that you're now – have all the books that you're going to publish in 2007 to 2007. Now you're working in 2008. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Okay. Great. Well, thanks again, Bob, and I'm really appreciating you spending the time and giving us all this wonderful information, and I know that it's going to help our listeners, and I hope that... I love talking about it. It's very exciting. Well, I can hear the passion. You have so much passion, and what's interesting is this is just totally opposite to what you used to do. And isn't it exciting to be able to do something that you've never done before? It's wonderful. Pat keeps saying that we, we also have a vineyard in New Zealand, so she said we've gone from medicine to books and wine. And to tell oh, hey. Like wine better. <laughs> How better can that be? <laughs> You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can hear us every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We'll be back on the air Thursday, February 8th, when our topic will be Leveraging Your Book as a Brand-Building Opportunity. And our special guest who will be joining us is Paul McNeese of Optimum Performance Associates. 
OPA Publishing. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson of Austin, Texas, signing off. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman on the road in Burlington, Vermont, wishing you all a good evening.